Bible verses. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Very, very, very familiar passage to us today. That's why we're calling it the greatest hits. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How important, with the show of hands, how important is it to be prepared for anything? Do you think it's important? Well, most of us. Okay. You know, if you're going to have a surgery, you have to go into that doctor a week before the surgery to take place and make sure everything's going to be prepared and ready. If you're going to go on a trip, you've got to be prepared to go on that trip. You just can't get in a car and, and take off, can you? I guess you can, but... You know, all those people in North and South Carolina had to prepare for Hurricane Florence. And if you're going to have that wonderful colonoscopy, praise the Lord on that, isn't it? We have to prepare ourselves by drinking that wonderful drink that the doctor gives us, right? (laughs) I know it doesn't taste very good, but we still have to prepare for it. And starting school, if we remember when we were starting school and or a new grade, that we had to make sure that we had to make sure our kids and our grandkids had those right supplies. And the list can go on and on of getting prepared. Someone once said this once, and maybe it was you. One morning I went out to start the car to go to church, and there was the flat tire on my car. Luckily I had a spare I changed the tire quickly and was on my way to church, but I had forgotten to drop off the spare to be fixed. I thought, well, I'll get around to it someday. Within five days, you go out to the car and on your way to work, and what do you do? You find another flat. But this time, there's no spare because we had forgotten to take it down over to Davis Tire earlier in the week. And so we have to drive very slowly and very carefully over to Davis Tire and wait while the tire is fixed. And then we get late for work. Ever been there? However, we've all been told when something breaks, fix it. Now, don't wait until you need it, then you won't have it. Preparation makes a difference in all realms of life, whether it's at work, at school, when we're playing, at recreation, at any time. Two years before his death, Mike Hazans, who had lived alone for years, began to make preparations for his death. He bought a plot at his local cemetery. Every week he would visit that site where his remains would be. He planted grass and he mowed that grass regularly. 
On Memorial Day, he would place flowers on that grave for he said, I want to see the flowers now because I won't see them when I'm gone. A few weeks later, Mike goes down to the funeral home and says, I want to buy a casket, which will be my new home. Whenever he would pass that funeral home, he would go in standing beside the casket that he purchased. He would say, that's where I'm going to live someday. One day, Mike invited his family to come and see him and had a very delicious meal together. And Mike began to give some away his personal effects to the family. And the last thing he handed was a piece of paper to his nephew, which included his will. And as he handed his will to his nephew, he dropped dead of a heart attack. At Mike's funeral a few days later, someone said in conversation, as far as we know, Mike had had made every condition for his body, but did nothing for his soul. We are told in Matthew chapter 16, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? For this morning, there is a concept that we need to make sure that we are aware of if we are going to spend eternity with God. The concept is preparation. We know as we read the Bible or we don't read the Bible, there are only two places that we have to choose from where we will spend eternity. Heaven or hell. Well, it seems like a lot of people today get wrapped up in making life here on earth a wonderful and glorious and having the latest and greatest things to hit the market. As I study God's word, I see that we should be more concerned about preparing to meet the Lord. And there are some obvious things we must do to prepare to meet the Lord. We must confess our sins to God. We must repent of our sins and we must continue to walk daily in this life with him. And as I read and I studied and prayed and studied and prayed some more and studied some more and prayed some more this week, I realized something I never noticed before as I read Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. For in these verses, Paul tells us three ways that we are to prepare ourselves to meet Jesus. We see the first one in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. was a member of the United States Supreme Court for 30 years. His mind, his wit, and work earned him the unofficial title of the greatest justice since John Marshall. Shortly before Justice Holmes died in 1932, he was asked if he was a Christian. He said these words. He said, I might have become a Christian a long time ago. If the Christians I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers... 
The way to prepare for the life here and now and when Jesus comes is to rejoice in him. For he is the author of joy in our lives. For Jesus says in John chapter 10, I came to give life with joy and abundance. The abundant life that we have today is the joy that comes from him. I remember living in Modesto as a kid. And we would go to my grandparents' house in Turlock. And as soon as I was able to get out of the car, and we had one of those, it looked like a boat, um, station wagons. Maybe you had one too. And I had to sit in the middle. Being the youngest, I had to sit in the middle of our station wagon there. But as soon as we hit Grandma's house and Grandpa's house, I would run and I would find Grandpa, and I would hug him as tight as I could wherever he was at. And he was usually in the backyard working. And I would often say to him, Grandpa, you're the best. And he would say, no, you're the best. And what he said to me is better than some other things he could have said to me, which would have also been true. But it's a wonderful way to be greeted for him and me. And we were greeted with great joy when we met each other on those occasions. This is the way it should be for us in all of life. When we rise in the morning, we should greet the Lord and the world with joy because of him. Good morning, Lord, with excitement and anticipation. And not good, Lord, it's morning. With fear and trembling. It makes the day a whole lot better. When we say, this is the day the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This same joy must be present every day of our lives, even in those up and down times. Because we know what's going to happen when Jesus comes. All of our troubles and difficulties that we are, that we face here, they're not here to stay. One of the greatest scriptures in the Bible is there 1,265 times. Did you know there was a verse there in the Bible that repeated itself that many times? Aren't you glad you came this morning that you learned something new? Here's the scripture. They came to pass. For all of our troubles and difficulties that we face on this earth, they came to pass. For where do we get this joy for daily living and for Jesus' return? We need to go to Acts chapter 13 to find that answer. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. For the more we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more joy we're going to experience in this life. The less we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the less reason we have to rejoice. In Romans 12, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Joy comes from our hope. Romans 15 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled. 
with an expressible and glorious joy. The way we must prepare, prepare for Jesus' coming is to live rejoicing all day long. The second one we find is in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. A Quaker had heard a strange noise in his house one night. He got up and he discovered a burglar busily stealing things out of his house. So this Quaker man goes and he gets his gun and comes back and stood quietly in the doorway. Friend, he said, I would do thee no harm for the world, but you are standing where I am about to shoot. No matter who we are and where we are, we must show gentleness to one another. Now, I realize it's not always easy to demonstrate gentleness to other people. When you have that grouchy boss or that grouchy employee or that grouchy customer or that grouchy neighbor, it's hard to be nice to them. In 2001, when President Bush was inaugurated as a president of the United States, Everybody was waiting to hear what kind of challenge he would give us as a nation. From every president who would give a challenge to the nation. I wonder if anybody remembers that challenge. Here's the challenge that he gave us. It was to be a kinder and gentler nation. What a challenge. For the president of the United States to say that to the greatest nation on earth. That we need to be more gentler with one another. But that's not just the need of America today. That is the need of every home. And in every life today. In 2018. Oh how we need more gentleness today. Aristotle once said, he who is gentle remembers good rather than evil. The way to make friends and influence people is not by being obnoxious about what we believe, but it is by showing gentleness to one another. God wants us to treat all people kinder, gentler, even to those that we might consider to be an opponent Paul says in Ephesians 4, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Titus 3 says, remind the people to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. There's a third one in verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We need to trust the Lord in prayer. If truth be told, we all get anxious or concerned about something. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. For several years, a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night because she feared that the burglars would come into her house while she was asleep. One night, her husband heard a noise 
down in the house. And so he goes downstairs to investigate. When he got there, he found that a burglar was there. He said, good evening, sir. I'm pleased to see you. Can you come upstairs, please, and meet my wife? She's been waiting 10 years to meet you. For we are all concerned or we get anxious about something, be it a burglar in our home or what's happening at work or with our kids, no matter how old our kids get. The amount of money we have or the amount of money we don't have. Our health. Many other things. Someone once said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Dr. Charles Mayo, who started the Mayo Clinic with his brother William, once said, Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system, and profoundly affects the health. I've never known a man, he said, who died from overwork, but many who died from worry. Someone once said, if you want peace of mind, resign as the general manager of the universe. For there are some people today who think that their spiritual gift is that they have to solve every problem that comes along. Let me tell you this morning, that's not one of the spiritual gifts that we find in Scripture. But we as followers of Jesus, we are in the business of sharing what Jesus has done in our lives. We are not in the management business. We need to learn to let God handle the universe and everything in the universe. Mary Crowley in her book, Be Somebody, writes this. Every evening I turn all my worries over to God. For he's going to be up all night anyway. David says in Psalm 37, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither like green plants. They will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The psalmist says in Psalms 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And if you remember the verses we had last Sunday, trust in the Lord. With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We need to learn to trust God more than we do. And what is the evidence that we do trust him? We are not to be anxious about anything. But in everything about in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when we turn everything over to him, everything over to him, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
once upon a time, a king sent for his jester and presented him with a stick. He said, take this stick and keep it until you find a bigger fool than yourself. Lying on his deathbed, the king again sent for his jester. I'm going away, the king said. Where? asked the jester. To another world, replied the king. What provisions has your majesty made for this journey and for living in the world where you are going? The jester asked. I have made none, was his answer. At that point, the jester handed the king the stick. Take it, he said, for I have found a bigger fool than myself. For I only trifle with the things of this world, but you have trifled with the things of eternity. Many people today in churches and outside of churches, I feel we play around with what will affect us eternally. They play with Christianity instead of taking God's word seriously. And I think from time to time, we all need to remember how short life is. And we need to prepare for the end. And as we we prepare for the end, as, as we need to, we must rejoice the Lord. We must rejoice in the Lord always. We must be gentle towards all people. We must trust the Lord when we pray. For when we do these three things, not just on Sundays, not just when we feel like it, when we do these three things every day, then we will be able to live a life, a victorious life on this earth. And be ready when Jesus calls us home. Because as I read my Bible... I do I am not a fortune teller. I am not anything like that. But I do know as I read my Bible, the days are getting shorter. God's going to call us home. And we must be prepared. We must be prepared for that day. Heaven or hell. It's our only options. We're going to live forever, church. We can live forever in heaven or we can live forever in hell. We get to make the choice. But maybe this morning you haven't made that decision. Oh, pastor, I've been in the church for many years. I don't care. Coming to church does not make us a Christian. Confessing our sins and repenting of our sins. Following Jesus. Rejoicing. Rejoicing every day. Being gentle. Toward one another. Trusting the Lord in prayer. That's going to get us to heaven. I'm going to ask if the worship team will make their way up to the platform.
And I'm going to ask you to stand this morning, and I'm going to ask you to do something we haven't done in a long time on Sunday morning. I'm going to ask you to grab your hymnal.